sometimes you need to keep a strong head on your shoulders and try to keep a stoic expression instead of going to that emotional state that you will end up regretting tomorrow. But when Cataclysm hits and tries to tear your family apart, what else can you do but try to put one foot in front of the other, make new friends, and to try to simply make the best of a bad situation? I am Christopher Rondeau, and this is Wyvern's Aria. Hello, my name is Alex Bissonette, and I am playing Arnar Jerry Nomanis, a level 2 Dragonborn fighter. Tell me a little bit about your character. Tell you a little bit about Arnar. So, I guess, let's start with what he looks like. So, at 6 foot 8 inches and uh, 325 pounds, Arnar is slightly taller than the average Dragonborn. With large, he's a larger upper body and shoulders built from years of working on ships and martial training. Uh, his scales are a burnished copper color, and his eyes are silver. His scales have a lot of various small nicks and scratches, mainly along his uh, forearms and his torso. And but the most distinctive feature with his scales is three scars running from the underside of his chin all the way down to his collarbone. And it is, from anyone who's seen a Dragonborn's hand, these are clearly left there by another Dragonborn. His clothes are relatively plain. He wears simple worn leather, and he has a play grain tunic that is open wide. And on the chest of the tunic, he's got the mark of his occupation as a, it's red, a sword and anchor crossed. See, his only fashionable features are a flowing blue and silver fabric Draped around, draped around his shoulders to ward off the sun out in the ocean, and a wide armband on his left arm, the color of a copper with some light patinaing going on. Nice, nice. Let's uh, let's talk about the scarring a little bit. The scars are from shortly after the ca- catastrophe. What what are we referring to? The we're we're referring to the cataclysm. Cataclysm. Ah, that was yes, that was the word. We will not tell you where we stole that from, but it may be from a very popular video game. Maybe like a like a massive uh, video game with a a world. Maybe that's <laughs> on of war. Anyway, uh, yes. The uh, shortly after the uh, cataclysm, there was tensions among his fleet, and there was a bit of a mutiny among some ships. And after taking prisoners, it was the rest of the fleet decided that they that these mutineers had to be brought back in and so there was a conflict of sorts and during this conflict just one fight got down to just claws and fists and that was although Arnar won the fight he has these three reminders of it 
<laughs> hey, you should see the other guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, we had this great cataclysmic event, this event where this huge burst of energy led by the dragon god known as Raksha, he exerted this energy and took this fantasy continent from what you guys remember as home and through the multiverse as we're going to call it for now and landed itself into a different world causing a grand tsunami and being a sailor i'm very interested to hear your character's interpretations of this event uh, what do you think about it and sort of how was your immediate reaction now this was eight months ago from this time eight months ago eight correct. months ago so it would have been pretty average day on the ship you get up just doing some light workouts some light training as someone of his profession would and it seemed to be it seemed to be an average day just clear skies nothing wrong until something happened that Arnar personally can't really comprehend and then the I guess the ocean kind of erupted just waves coming from every single direction storms happening out of nowhere maelstroms tsunamis it seemed to be every storm imaginable you could face on the sea was happening simultaneously and everywhere uh, although most ships survived the incident there were many lost and they're including the ship with arnar's own brother on it that is unfortunate the next eight months is probably a time of grief and confusion and a lot of unanswered questions. How did your character deal with this? Without much thought, really. There was too much to do. It was hard to find time to mourn or think about the implications of what happened when there were proverbial fires to be put out. There was... All of a sudden, a, the ships were lost leadership in some places and just were scattered. And there were it was harder to find resources when the world was all of a sudden changed. Could not rely on traditional fishing spots and restocking locations when no one knows where anything any of that would be if if it was in the same spot or if everything has moved or just that didn't exist anymore and then there was the incident and then all these tensions came to a point where some felt it was best to disband the fleet so it led to very small mutinies and although now the fleet has i will say righted itself has gone back on track there's still a lot missing there's still less ships than before there were a lot of the ships that are there have leadership spots missing or just not enough numbers, maybe too many, too much leadership on some places, and the whole infrastructure of the fleet is still being reworked, still trying to put itself together, but seems to be back on the right track. Absolutely. So it's this idea of balance. There's a loss of balance between the leadership. You were a tight-knit coalition and then that the threads began to expand and then there were holes and then people began to take advantage of these holes and then there was unrest through a mutiny and now 
we are trying to tighten the knot per se using a sailor kind of uh, analogy. It's been eight months since the cataclysm. What is your character doing now, do you think? Yeah, so the basic ship-to-ship life is starting up again, so trying to find first places to resupply and then finding contacts and people to get contracts for to get a... The the fleet needs its cash flow back, needs to have an occupation, needs to have a find a purpose again. It used to do a lot of mercenary work, but now comes a time of trying to find out who to do that for, who's the right people. So there's a lot of sailing to ports, and that means a lot of bodyguard work for Arnar. So after the Cataclysm, there was a part of the Cascade Range that seemed to have gotten destroyed, and has actually created a large section of islands off the north northeastern coast of this continent. And through these islands, there seemed to have been Goliaths kind of stranded and trying to make a living for themselves. We have now two factions of Goliaths, these people stuck on these islands and the people left in the Cascade Range. And many of the Goliaths wanted to join the Dragonborn fleet to be able to, you know, make a life for themselves. They did not like what... They did not like how their tundra brethrens treated them and thus they wanted to basically go out into the world so i i imagine that arnar is probably in charge of training them from a sailor standpoint how to tie knots how to fish properly they're they're from the tundra so they're used to the hunts and you know surviving these harsh conditions and these harsh conditions are on solid land so they don't have to worry about like managing how to be on a boat or anything like that but the dragonborn has taken to them overall at least the the um, the majority of them have been willing to accept new people into their crew to sort of fill in the numbers that are lost from both the mutiny and the cataclysm itself so Arnar is headed to the Blackwater Mansion with his ship to look for more work and under his tutelage is a bunch of Goliath people. They seem to, you know, they seem to get most of the grunt work, this idea of fishing, scrubbing the decks, basic cabin boy type things and under his tutelage is this really tall Goliath. He is eight foot three. Seems to have the staff, and despite the warmer weather in this part of the world, he still keeps to a lot of his wolf pelt tundra clothing. And his name is Gaius. He is gray skinned, uh, very clean shaven everywhere, based on the natural heritage of the Goliath. And he does have this tattoo that seems to go down his left eye and as you see him this morning as he wakes up you see that he has a design on a piece of parchment he's just carrying around thinking about it and uh, this picture is clearly him you can tell by his uh, tattoo over his left eye but he seems to have painted three lines down his chin in a reference to where your scars are and he hasn't tattooed himself in these spots yet but 
you get a glimpse of it briefly as he puts it into whatever backpack he may be holding. Leather skinned pouch, uh, wolf pelt pouch, or something to that extent. And he approaches you and goes, Hey, what's on the docket today? Well, uh, I'm not really sure. So, Captain, Captain's trying to see what's going on here. We need to go into the Blackwater Mansion, hopefully meeting some contacts and maybe get us working again. Instead of just surviving. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, should I stay here, or are you leading that that charge, or what is the plan? Well, you and your uh, brother might need some real-world experience now. I don't expect anything to happen, but just being out there, just even without fighting, it, there's things to learn out there. Absolutely. The ship heads to port, and you see two areas that seem to be segregated by a river going through the city. On the east side you see this raised up cliff head that sort of looks down over the ocean and on the west side you see this flat ground where the majority of the port is. This is the Blackwater Mansion. This is a place that used to be a single building, a single mansion and has thus evolved into this great trading empire and has actually have become its own sovereign nation. A lot of other trade posts are normally attached to a major city, but the Blackwater Mansion has tamed enough money to be able to stand for itself and create its own laws and create its own taxes, which has increased the wealth of the city even further. In the distance, you do see the giant wall that protects the city and its many splendors. Many of these buildings appear to be in tip-top shape. They seem to do very well with their infrastructure and their public works as far as keeping the roads maintained, the pier clean. And while we do see glimpses of perhaps some unsavory types, you don't get a interpretation that anything is necessarily very dirty. As you head towards the dock, why don't you give me a brief description of your captain or at least uh, his name age personality types and i can fill in the rest so the captain of the scale leader uh depora vostar is a white dragonborn and the she is very energetic she's a very much a lead from the front type even when it comes to uh fighting which is something that her first mate is a always reminding her probably not the best idea seeing as she is the captain and the leader in the brains of the operation so there's a bit of a between her and the first mate there's a bit of a uh what is it very much a concerned like butler like relationship like a very much a alfred like a very he's the alfred to his so yeah so just this fierce white dragonborn woman and then there's a just another dragonborn who's always like please please no so yeah that's what i got for (laughs) nice um and the ship's name is the scale eater perfect so yeah there we go that's what that's what popped off my head absolutely so you guys begin to head towards the dock the first mate probably takes care of a lot of the harbor fees, talks to the harbor master, gets everything set up, and you are there basically to to shadow this woman. What was this woman's name again? Um, what did I name her? Randomized. It was Depora. Depora gets ready to offset, and you are there to shadow her, protect her. You guys aren't anticipating that there will be anything wrong, but 
you know, it's always good to, to be well armed. As you grab your equipment, what do you don? So, normally on the ship, you're wearing just regular clothes because because there's no real reason to be armored up. And if you do somehow fall overboard, wearing any sort of heavy metals, but now that we're going onto land, Arnar would remove the tunic and then don a scale a light scale male armor try to get the tunic back on over that and then uh stepping off he would draw his greatsword a standard looking greatsword but with a a bronze cross guard that's kind of in the shape of a wide open dragon mouth with like teeth going up towards the blade so he would draw it he would give it a once over a quick oiling put it back in its scabbard, and then sling it over his right shoulder. Just there loosely to easily come down and be drawn again. Absolutely. As you prepare, Gaius also sits there. He has this nice white staff that he seems very overprotective of. He seems to have some magic capabilities, though many people on the seas aren't familiar with Tundra-type Druidic magic. So it's very surprising to a lot of people that he seems to be able to freeze water and form ice out of the moisture from the air. But he follows you. He does have some hide armor that he puts on. And you're followed by a couple of nondescript Goliaths as well. Depora is being shouted by Anar, and Anar is being shouted by Gaius, and Gaius is being shouted by, like, we'll say three three other Goliaths. It's a, it's a bit of a train. We gotta... We gotta training train going on she's training arnar on ship etiquette he's training guys on how to i don't fight and the guys is leading the rest of the glass so there we go <laughs> perfect um <laughs> you guys begin to leave the ship and head out into the city proper why don't you give me a perception check real quick Ooh, solid start we got two plus two we got four nice can only go up from here what you notice is that there do appear to be people watching you, though it doesn't really bother you at all. It just seems like, you know, new ship in town, you know, you're used to this kind of kind of attention. Also, being in the human settlement as a bunch of Dragonborn and Goliath, this is kind of, this is expected at this point, and the norm. But you sit there, you see a harbor master, he appears to be human. Looks very short compared to your entourage of half, you know, Goliaths are like the half giants and the dragonborns are fairly, you know, they're built bigger than the average human. So this poor band is like with a clipboard just riding in this thing, provides the permit necessary to park, some gold is exchanged as you guys begin to head deeper into the city. Deporic looks towards you. I, I do have a contact. I'm not sure what the job is, but if you have any ideas of where we can get work, we'll even take basic fishing jobs at this point just to help increase our revenue. Why don't you take these Goliaths? Kind of gives a polite but hesitant wave towards, towards Gaius and crew. Take these Goliaths and see if you can get any work from the merchant, the merchant district. See if there's any 
packages to be delivered, any harvesting that they may need on the sea, and I'll go talk to my contact. Uh, we'll meet back here in a couple hours. Yes, ma'am. And she, probably escorted by her first mate, heads off to see this see this contact and you actually see her enter a building pretty close to the harbor it appears to be a restaurant of some sort you can see people hustling and bustling inside this restaurant is called an ale of two cities and you see people coming in with these giant giant tankers there seems to be a lot of like a charcuterie platters these meat and cheese platters with uh, some dried fruits if you can tell i worked in a kitchen and it'd be funny if that was not the correct word um but they're like meat and cheese fruit platters being served as well as they seem to be heading inside so you lose vision of them pretty quick in the crowd what is your plan of action here so if we've been here before either the nearest uh merchanting company or the one that we've had the most experience with or it is not nearest or most Familiar. There we go. So you know of a merchant-ish company called Wayfarer's Expeditions where they are a company that specializes in transporting merchandise from place to place and they are known to hire third party and they they trust your larger fleets to take care of certain things. They also book travel for people trying to get from one port city to another. So you may find yourself a person choosing to try to travel go to the wayfarers expedition company try to purchase a ticket to somewhere and you know hopefully a third party will come pick them up and deliver it they're kind of sketchy they have been known to give a crate or two more of merchandise on their ship than what this what the contract states and a lot of times you need to turn a blind eye to it. This is probably smuggled goods of some sort. You guys have kept a very honest profile, so they would not offer that kind of work to you on, on a regular basis, but that work has been offered before, and generally your captain kind of says no to it and just takes the honest aspect of it. But um, you're strapped for cash, so it'll be up, it'll be up to you whether you would t- take that contract or you can potentially go to a smaller dealership. <laughs> yeah, let's uh stick to what we know. Stick to the uh with these people. You see this large three-story building, the Wayfarer's Expedition Company. It seems to have had a fresh coat of paint despite uh despite recent cataclysmic events. They seem to still be doing very well for themselves, uh keeping track of make of outward appearances. You enter this building, and the first floor does appear to be very much a warehouse. You see boxes there, you see people lining boxes, both humans and dragonborns alike. You see a green dragon. It's just kind of sitting there. Uh, He seems to have uh, spectacles, and is just kind of riding in a ledger of some sort, at least what you would imagine to be a ledger. Oh, a green dragonborn. Okay, I thought you were talking about a statue of some sort. No. Okay, uh, so an actual person. Okay. Green scale dragonborn. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, uh yes, yes. Um, I hate to be oh, a bother. Uh, welcome. So, we're, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the, our ship and our fleet. We're looking to get, looking to get our sea legs back and we need some work again. He, he takes out his ledger, 
the ledger he was writing in earlier turns it a couple pages back. Uh, where are you headed? Are you going to... We have a couple land routes we need to take care of, but... Unless you're willing to stop by the, uh, the jungles of Cylon on the other side of the continent, we don't, we don't have much work for you right now. You don't have any ships needing escort? Or packages that need to be delivered by sea? That your ships can't deal with? Uh, we have some packages, but normally your, your crew doesn't accept projects like this. Well, hmm, we're a bit of hard times. How about you run it by me, and I'll run it by the captain later, and we'll see what can be done. Yes, there is a port in the demilitarized zone. We are sending some dangerous equipment there. Hmm. So you're dealing with the that strange... I don't know what to call it. That Those strange people from this new place? We are arming our people in the demilitarized zone. Or at least being paid to. Hmm. Interesting. Well... I can't make any promises on behalf of the ship, but I can tell you right now, it's we do need the work. What's the pay like? We have 20 crates that need to be delivered there, and if the crates are protected and unopened, we will give you 50 gold pieces a crate. Hmm. Now, from an out-of-character perspective, we are playing in a low-inflation type of game where... A thousand gold pieces will probably <laughs> will probably outfit your whole fleet for at least three to six months, depending on how frugal you are. A thousand gold piece will get you a, a very nice villa of some sorts. A thousand gold pieces will will probably set you up for life um, if you are Ooh. pretty uh, manageable. So to get fifty gold pieces for twenty crates is a pretty substantial price and. Maybe what you need to turn things around. Hmm. How do you have this type of... You know what? Be better not to ask. I, like I said, I can't make promises for my ship, but that, if I know our captain well enough, that is something she is very much going to be interested in. Oh, absolutely. We want to get a ship on the seas tomorrow, so... If you don't come quick, we may give the contract to someone else, so keep that in mind. Though, you have been very dependable in the past. It's what we thrive on. He will hand you a a piece of parchment. It's only a, a couple inches by a couple inches. It looks very much like a business card. And it says, The Emerald King of the Wayfarers Expedition Company. And he hands it to you. Gives you an address of this building. Just uh, come on by if you need to, if you want to make this deal. Will do. And well, I start walking away, and then, you know, I turn back around. You know, I've always wondered, why are you working here? Why are you not on a ship with the rest of us? Instead of working landside like this. He gives a little bit of a grin. My sleeping quarters are much bigger than yours. Fair enough. Anyway... Have a good day. And, uh, yeah, make my way out. Between walking there and talking to this person, maybe an hour or so has passed. Uh, where would you like to go? Probably to some sort of... I guess a smith of some sort would be interesting to see 
outfit these uh these Goliaths with something more shipworthy instead of furs and staves and things of that nature. Maybe just get some metal for the ship, some tackle and all that stuff. All those ship things that I know that I should find out about. <laughs> if you wanted to go see if you can outfit them with some better gear, you can go to the craftsman area. You can see if you can get something for them. However, because of their size, most armor in this location will probably have to be tailor-made for them. Yeah, so basically, he's just looking for... Whenever he's a place like this, he's looking for a way to upgrade the ship somehow make just the ship's life or something he's trying to find something that's useful for the ship and maybe on good days hopefully find something that's good for the whole fleet so but right now it's smaller scale it's arming his new people and getting whatever other odds and ends they might need you head over to the craftsman district and you sort of Look around, you look at the weaponry, uh, a lot of the weaponry, the good weaponry at least, is probably out of your price budget currently. <laughs> uh, but what you do see is you see navigation tools, you see carpentry tools, things that have more of a practical need for boat life that these guys simply don't have because they never needed carpentry tools in the middle of the tundra as they lived in there. They're, they're more leather workers than woodworkers. So a lot of those things are available to you and reasonably within your, your budget, your allotment that, that your fleet gives you every week or every month or whatever. How often do you get paid in fantasy world? <laughs> but, uh, you know, just, you know, enough to, to fill, to give them some of the, basic necessities like a hammer nails and that sort of equipment <laughs> so you go ahead and and buy these things and they're standing there with their work belts and the hammers off to the side <laughs> uh the power drill or something like that but um that doesn't exist but um yeah you're able to get that equipment no no issue now guys the uh last uh that meeting with the merchant company went a little quicker than I was expecting, so one last new thing on the docket is public re relations. So, as you've probably noticed, we are kind of... We stick out. We are strange-looking people in a strange-looking place, and we are big and scary. So, what I like to do when we're in new places like this is find the whatever tavern is almost full, get a nice spot in there, and just act like regular people. Just, it sounds weird, I know, but just looking like regular people is a, it's a good way to endear them to us, and word spreads, and when they hear that we're decent folk, we get work that indecent folk wouldn't. They look around, um, with their pretty low understanding of social etiquette, and guys turns to, uh, okay, where, where, where should we go? Well, I already saw Captain go into the, to one, uh, the ale of two cities. So, just a nice place in the center of town, where 
There'll be a lot of traffic. A lot of people to see us. To see that we're not some... That we're not weirded out by their culture and then that they shouldn't be weirded out by ours. So, there's a nice pub that I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of. Right in the center of town. We'll head our way there. Oh, okay, lead, lead the way, boss. And <laughs> this Goliath who has these wolf tribal highs and this new work belt and this bright white staff. It's like, it begins to follow you, causing a lot of eyes to look your direction. But as you said, you are expectant of that. So yeah, they begin to follow you through the city and you find yourself seated at a bar called the Worm's Treasure. As you see a gold dragonborn sitting there, um, everything seems to be kind of pirate-esque sort of attire. There's like a box where he keeps the gold coins and he very flippantly like flips the coin into this box. And he pours drinks. <laughs> <laughs> But you sit there. Uh, it is in the center of town, probably uh, of medium condition. So you get a variety of different people and perhaps farmer, human farmers from the local area trying to come in. We'll say it's getting towards dusk, so it's not unusual to see the farmhands come in for a meal. At least the non-farm owner farmhands. Um, and you just kind of sit there and you you take in the crowd and we see different people come in these humans but what we also see is we we're seeing a great influx of elves and dwarves much more than you have seen in this town before and they even more so look towards these goliaths who are barely fitting in their wooden chairs that they're sitting in like their their <laughs> bomb is just kind of like over flapping over the side of the chair um, and these elves and dwarves, they appear to be ragged. They appear to be in, like, patchwork. They're, they're doing... They have small amounts of equipment with them, and they're just sitting there kind of shocked by your presence, but they order their ale. They sit, they talk in low whispers, and uh, we'll head out. And you see maybe over the course of an hour or two, 20, 20 or 30 people going in and out. And this, this bar probably only seats about 20 people total. So think of a pretty constant rotation of people. As well as some of the locals that are there for the nights to end their nights at this tavern. So uh, I wanna, so we're just keeping a, a light attitude. Like I'm making sure none of, the, none of the guys are drinking too much and we're... You know, just light laughs, nothing too raucous that would, like, you know, scare people away, but just looking like normal people. And whenever there's a, if I ever see, like, a group of, uh, maybe more, that's what I'm looking for, open-looking, perhaps elf or dwarf, or maybe if there's a table with both, some that don't look too distraught or beaten down. I would want to go over and talk to them. Yeah, so you find a table, we'll say it has uh, two dwarves. We will say it has two dwarves, a man and a woman. They seem to be family of some sort, though. They don't particularly look like siblings, but they haven't done anything to indicate that they are married or anything like that. But, you know, they're definitely really close friends or family. 
as well as a an elf and a halfling sitting there as well. These elf and halflings appear to be uh, oriental in nature. They have the the skin tone and the features of someone born from the Silomora countryside, this place that has a lot of these Eastern, as you and I know it, Eastern influences. And they're just sitting there, they're drinking, they seem to basically get the cheapest alcohol and some bread and cheese. And they, halfling especially, seeing these giant creatures that he, that, um, that's to him if he's from Salamora, literally the opposite corners of the continent, sees these Goliaths and he is constantly like looking over that direction with a sense of nervousness. Would so and you plan to approach? Yeah, so I uh, walk up and uh probably fish out a coin or two out of whatever however whatever the appropriate coin should be to get each of them another drink. And I would just say, excuse me, uh, I hate to be a bother, but if you, if I could have a minute of your time, I could perhaps buy you another round. The dwarves immediately reach for, reach for, like, weaponry, very, very confused by this, but, and the halfling just looks in fear. This elf looks towards you. Yeah, are you a local? Well... No, that's kind of why I came here to talk. I was... We've been... I'm not... Yes, you're... I'm not really a local, but I've been here plenty of times before the whole incident, the whole cataclysm. So, I've noticed that the demographic around here is a bit different. There weren't as many dwarves, elves, and halflings before, and I just wanted to know what the news is from the continent and also I wanted to I saw the concerned faces I wanted to reassure you that I'm just a my friends over here despite being large and strange looking by normal stand by standards around here are just as friendly as anyone else they look towards you looks towards the Goliath the doors put their hands back on the table you can see that on their belts they have a small knife. I don't even know if you can call it a dagger. It is more like a pocket work knife. Um, the halfling begins to slow, slowly begin to breathe again after his initial shock. The elf seems amused, kind of gives a, a quick smirk and goes, We don't need more to drink, but if you can buy some bread and cheese, we would greatly appreciate it good enough with me so uh, this whole time I, I, I have my hands low and like palms out like well away from my scabbard and stuff like that just uh I hope you mind if I sit or yes come, come join us oh thank you very much yes we're we were asking us some some questions we are from the city of dragon and we're we're refugees, unfortunately. We are here in the Blackwater Mansion and maybe find some work in the farms or the ships or the craftsman district or something, but with this weird time period, the dragon and Noma is 
altogether destroyed and uninhabitable. Now, with this peace treaty, all they want us to do is move out and they want to create this unpopulated demilitarized zone. So, we are here. So, hmm, how did the... So the inner part of the continent was affected the most by this cataclysm? Because I, I was out at sea when it happened and it was a nightmare scenario. You're saying your home has been changed by all this? My home has been changed by the war that ensued. <laughs> Have you seen these new, different people? Nay. Don't look much different than the average human we've seen, they... No, it's always humans, isn't it? Their equipment is different, and it's dangerous, and it's like a crossbow bolt, but with no string or pulley to pull, and it fires these... This ammunition that just goes right through armor and equipment, and it's it's dreadful. The nation of magic users. There doesn't appear to be any arcane sigils, no incantation. It just seems like a cro hand crossbow, of some sort. Or there are even large ones that are skinnier than the average crossbow, but I don't know. It's beyond what I understand of weaponry and I didn't understand much to begin with but like your sword I understand swords you swing it and it depends on brute strength this this weapon just kills without remorse without consideration of protection or anything like that do these people seem more violent than the norm because I'm so I hate to be bringing up any bad memories or anything. I just want what's I want to know as much as I can about these new people and places for my own ship's sake. The Meldorf begins to speak up, and he kind of puts his hand into a fist and bangs the table. I they they're aggressive. They're dangerous. And they want our blood. Interesting. I hope you all find work soon. I, sorry about bringing up any bad memories, but I thank you very much for your time and information. Night. Uh, do a little, little bow or something, uh, and then uh, turn around and go back. Go ahead and give me a perception check, real quick. Here we go. Here we go. Ooh, better, better. Seventeen. Plus two, nineteen. Yep. As you were talking and wrapping up this thing, as the dwarf pounded his fist onto the table, this you saw the halfling figure slip away from from the table. And as you're finishing up your statement, and your eyes kind of follow this uh, this you know clearly clearly an adult halfling, but no larger than the average boy. He currently is sitting at your spot at the table and is having a conversation with the Goliaths. <laughs> Interesting sight. He's uh, somewhere between three foot two and three foot six. 
And these Goliaths are between seven foot six and eight foot six. Guys being eight foot three ish, so it's a. Uh, I don't know who's more confused though, the halfling or the Goliaths. Yeah, so I return to the table. Seems we made friends quicker than I thought we would. Gaius looks up. Yes, this child. I'm not a child! This person came and said hi. Yeah. I was just talking to it with his friends. So, sir, you, uh, how's it going? He looks towards you. We, we are looking for work. You have any? I'm sorry, but that's why we're in town as well, looking for work of our own. We live the we live life at sea and don't really there's not many openings I'm sorry aboard our ship oh um well my name's Aramith what is your name Arnar Arnar Arr <laughs> ah yes I have heard the joke plenty of times well it was a pleasure to meet you but uh, it's getting dark we're going to eat that food you gave us we appreciate it and we, then we're gonna head to our our inn for the evening but it was a pleasure kinda looks towards the um goliath kinda shrinks a little bit if that's even possible and then gives a tentative wave <laughs> well I wish you luck in the future so guys you uh your uh, first experience with the halfling go well so, is that a child, or... That was an adult. How certain are you? I am, you know, maybe I've been tricked my whole life, but I'm, I'll say 95%. Alright, if you say so. And he, like, gives the glare, like, suspicious stare towards the halfling. They're actually another race that are skinnier where they're maybe the same height but a little more petite than them so yeah so be on the lookout for that i don't like that one bit Mm. you i guess your people never really ran into many others besides us before but we tend to be the outliers in most places we are the large strange large strangers wherever we go Mm. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> They're all still very capable in their own right. Especially if you have anything, let's say, any work for the nimble. They are very handy, but at the moment, that's not really what we're looking for. We're looking for work ourselves. Well, if we ever need a mascot, we'll go hire one of these halflings. We had one in our ship once, and who stuck to the crow's nest. That was very convenient. He just lived up there because there was plenty of space for him. He, like, does this thing with his hand where he tries to measure the size of the uh, crow's nest and, like, looks over towards this halfling. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) So, how was your first experience with the civilization? At this point, I think they finish whatever drinks in front of them, and it's getting to the point where you need to move back towards the ship to meet with your captain. I imagine that that statement was made perhaps as you're walking out the door. Is that fair? Yes. Cool. Yes. 
I don't think I like it. I thought the sea was weird. But in the tundra, you have these vast expanses of space, and we as Goliaths roam it, and we take from it, and we give to it. But even in this city, with all this space, there's just not a lot of room. Yes, the tundra to sea was a, let's say, easier mental gap to close. A lot of wide open space, a lot of trying to find natural resources, and here it is. Everything's everything's cl close. Yes, let's use that word. Easiest word for it. Everything is compact, and nothing is coming from the ground. You are getting everything secondhand, so. It takes some getting used to, but I'm sure you'll get it. Hmm, I don't think so, but we'll see. <laughs> That's the spirit. So as you're walking back through the city of the Blackwater Mansion, you head towards the Skell Eater, where you see Depora, your captain, and, and her first mates. But there's also this third humanoid figure kind of walking by them and you look around and you're kind of surprised by this creature. It does appear to be a dragonborn of some sort but instead of the scales being normal dragon scales it appears to be made from a gem of some sort. You see this sapphire scale gem in its place of the normal kind of leathery tough scales that you you personally have as a dragonborn. She stands about six foot two, um, which is average height for a dragonborn. On her side, she does seem to have a mili militaristic type saber, um, very, very thin blade. Seems to have a small buckler that seems to be attached to her half plate armor that she is currently wearing. On her back, she does appear to have a large case, though you seem fairly uncertain about what's in this case uh why don't you just give me a history check history history here we go Ooh, we got ourselves a 20. nice that's the key that's the trick to playing dnd just <laughs> always roll 20s people don't ever see i forgot to do that earlier people seem to forget to that too. yeah <laughs> um yeah on her back appears to be a violin case Violin. Yeah. She does also seem to have a small satchel that goes on her back as well. So if we think of the satchel over her left shoulder, we'll see the violin case over her right shoulder. And kind of stands there with Depora. Hmm. Ah, Anar. Uh, we have a job. Well, you have a job. Captain, I was going to come to you saying the same thing. But... What's this job? And who's our new friend here? This... This is Lydia. She is our friend, and we are going to take her somewhere. Or rather, you are going to take her somewhere. So, we... This person, she's like a famous person, right? Or at least somewhat? I feel like we went over this before. 
So you take a look at Lydia as your captain is saying this, and why don't you give me an insight check real quick? Oh, no, I used up my tourney already. Oh, that's only a 10 and a 0. So, 10. You look at Lydia as your captain's explaining this, and you can tell that she's kind of has an upright, tight posture, and you feel that you should know who this person is, but just based on her garments and what she's wearing and her equipment, it's just not not clicking for you at this moment. Your captain looks over, it's like, well, what we're going to do is uh, we are promoting you, Arnar. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be a but with this, though. We are going to give you a sloop with a couple of people. Uh, Gaius being one of them, and we'll, we'll give you some trained sailors as well. But we are taking our friend Lydia here west, far west. To this new demilitarized area, I presume, that I've been hearing so much about? Further west than that. We're going to the new continent? You are going to this new world, this Mesomola, this place of mystery, intrigue, and you are going to escort Lydia here and protect her while she goes on her task. I'll try my best, ma'am, but do we have a timeline of when to return to the fleet? Six months going to take you two months to sail there, two months to complete whatever needs to happen there, and two months to get back. That is our anticipation. You will be compensated as a captain for this six months. Well. Whew. Alright then. Get, may I pick who comes with? You... There are people that we need to keep here, but if we can afford to lose them... You can, you can take them. We are, are anticipating a crew of seven is what you will need to to take this sloop. We'll we'll assign you seven other people to to go on this thing, assuming we can afford them. For obvious reasons, you'll need to take our non. We you will need to take sailors and officers for this desk. We need any officers on deck here, unfortunately. Alright. Well, and I turn to Lydia, uh, reaching out a hand. Well, ma'am, name's, I guess, Captain Arnar Jerry Demonis. Temporarily. It's nice to meet you. Reach out a hand for a good old-fashioned shake. I would assume Dragobor do the forearm, forearm type deal. Absolutely. And she recognizes that, grabs it. You can call me Scales. Very, I hope you don't mind me saying, very interesting Scales, by the way. Thanks, uh, thanks. I come from a different heritage than many of your dragonborn brethren. The poor looks at and sees this handshake. Goes, let me take you to your ship, you can name it, but we want to stock it tomorrow and leave the day after. 
as the captain scales and yourself begin to walk off and we will fade to black here. This podcast is brought to you by Rondo Creator and Rondo Creator Games. To find out more, go ahead and visit rondocreator.com or wyvernsaria.com.